Remember this guy's contract with America? How'd that go? In a few days, the MAGAs will try to sell you another contract for America. Everything they're promising is already happening with President Biden. An economy that works for all Americans? Check. Record job growth. Good paying jobs growing our economy. That's Biden, not MAGA. Peace through strength. Ask Ukraine who stands with them and who stands with Russia. Energy independence? Yeah, Biden's got that. Safe and secure communities? Check. Millions to improve policing, protecting our communities and civil rights. Fight to end government corruption and drain the swamp? Who are they kidding? For seven years, they left us holding the bag and paying the bill for their reckless spending and bad ideas. Their new contract with America? Promises they'll never keep. But Joe Biden and the Democrats deliver. my goodness, what a treat. I mean, could we here in our group have really received, Gina, a greater thing than to actually see the history lessons being taught to our students today? I mean, this is true, right? Yeah, can everyone give an emoji or even a hand motion for Gina? And um, you did great, Gina. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, everyone, for your love and kindness. Gina, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Dixie. Thank you, B. Ellis. It is so wonderful. I know, Richard, it is so wonderful to see that. And I'm, I'm moved to say this, and then I want to open it up because this is about democracy and education. And we have an educator, a teacher, and someone who's on the school board, the president, and ready for city council. So needless to say, Gina Clayton Tarvet is the person we want to talk to about education. And uh, she's in the good work, and we are so blessed to have her with us. So I must say this, if you see in the media, the propaganda that they try to put out there about what we're teaching our children, saying, oh, we're teaching them all these false theories and things that are wrong and inaccurate, or, you know, we're telling them uh, we're rewriting history, right? All of these things. You just saw just a portion of what Gina said. Honestly, Gina, it got me excited. I was kind of like, oh, I miss, I miss history because it was exciting. It was honest. It was the truth. It was the facts. This is what our children are learning. And for those of us who have been out of school for a very long time, we can be confident right now from what she just showed us, and that's in Huntington Beach, California. Our students are learning the right things. They're learning the things that so that they can grow in knowledge of history and make choices for the future. So Gina, thank you so much for being here. I wanna open it up to everyone because this is your opportunity to speak to Gina who will be on city council in Huntington Beach. Okay, this year it is happening. And then she'll be mayor and then you'll be like, I remember Gina. So everyone, does anyone have any questions or thoughts to share with Gina? Um, Rich, before we, yeah, let's go ahead and start with Richard and then we can kind of get, kick it off. I do have a question of my own that I want to ask. And, and that is that we've been being told, and, and this is, it contradicts my experience, that mm -hmm. things like the Civil War, mm -hmm. slavery, the Civil Rights Movement, are not being taught in our schools. And I remember, be, I mean, I knew very young who Abraham Lincoln was. Abraham Lincoln motivated me to become a lawyer. He was, I admired him a lot. And I admired him because he brought us through that very difficult time. And so, and in high school, the, we had the movie Roots, which was back in the, 
the 70s, probably late 70s, early 80s. And we talked about it in school. And, and we're talking about time that is on your watch where you were teaching and we're, we're, we're being told that you guys were not, that you guys dropped the ball on teaching civil war, slavery, and the civil rights movement. And I don't believe that. But I want to ask you, have schools dropped the ball and not taught our school children about American history, specifically slavery, the civil rights, and the civil rights movement? So. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. That's a great question. It's similar to the one that I, I got yesterday uh, when I was uh, in front of some voters here in Huntington Beach. And the answer is actually, we are teaching everything you asked about. We are teaching about slavery. We are teaching about the Civil War. We are teaching about even Reconstruction. I mean, all of these things get discussed. Of course, the Civil Rights Movement. And I have to say to you that actually the civil rights movement is even integrated into sixth grade, uh, where we're learning ancient civilizations, because when we teach the chapter on India, we teach about Gandhi and the legacy of India. And there's a whole entire unit about Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi's relationship. And so um, I, I really, I really, really, really get upset when I feel that residents don't know that we are doing what we are morally obligated to do and professionally obligated to do, which is to teach these concepts. In California, it's state law. Now, I can't speak for what goes on in Texas. I can't speak for what goes on in Alabama or what goes on in New York. But I can tell you what goes on in California is that we follow the law and that all those things that you asked about are in our textbooks and they are taught, they're put in our pacing guides and every teacher is overseen by their principal and every child takes tests to be able to prove, you know, summatively, summative assessments that they have gotten the information. So I do know that we are teaching those things and specifically American history begins in fifth grade. And I mean, a direct laser-like focus on American history, on slavery, the Civil War, Reconstruction, all of those things, Industrial Revolution, that all happens in fifth grade. We then go into sixth and seventh where it's world history, but we all have those concepts. Civil um, rights movement comes back around in sixth and seventh. Um, and then in eighth grade, it is a very deep dive back into starting with the Civil War, actually. And you go from there. Um, I have taught sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. I have also worked in a fifth grade classroom when one of my colleagues was out for a while. I worked in her classroom for three weeks and I taught I taught the Civil War myself. So I know that it's there. I've done it myself. I teach social studies every single day. Now, what I do want to say is there are some folks out there who are pushing a false agenda and narrative in our nation and saying that in public schools, we're teaching critical race theory. Have you heard this one? It's called CRT. That is not going on in California schools. It is not, okay? And these folks are lying because they're using it for political folly. 
And why use the children and what we're teaching the children to push your own agenda against the left or the right or whatever it is that folks are talking about? Critical race theory is taught at college level. It's much too complex for K to 12. It's not happening. Um, I saw another question actually here in the chat that I want to, if you want yes, me. Yes, Gina. Okay. Go ahead and answer that one, Gina, because so this is Paul's question. We're going to go Paul, and then we have another one from Nan, and then Sarah, we're going to take your hand too. So great. This is a really great, robust discussion. Everyone enjoy this. Really get what you came to get out of it because we're learning a lot from Gina. So Gina, okay. the question from Paul is, um, how do you deal with the folks who are going against traditions in education when you teach civics? How do you deal with revenge history? Well, we're not, teachers are not having it. We're not dealing with revisionist history. What happened is what happened. Okay. And one thing, <laughs> one thing about America, and I, and I mentioned it when I talked about what gets taught in the fourth grade, when we discuss uh, what occurred with the missionizations of first peoples of native peoples in California. I think at one time in California, missionization was romanticized. Oh, isn't it wonderful? These um, these natives, these folks who are uh, uh, primitive or whatever people used to call them in the past needed to find God. And in Christianity, they were colonized. And the reality of it is, is that people were treated extremely poorly. Uh, people on that were missionized from their pueblas and from their ranchos were moved into these almost slave-like indentured servitude situations in missions and treated very poorly by the Spanish colonists. And so if we want to have a real society built upon democratic ideals, we must tell the truth. And the truth is, is that people of color have been abused, neglected, and actively beaten down in this nation over the years. Wonderful. Starting with slavery of African people and moving all the way through. And in California, we tell the truth and we don't allow for revisionism. It's not, it doesn't happen here in California. I'm very proud to be a teacher in this state. So thank you so much uh, for that question. Um, yes, thank you, Gina, for answering that and for answering that so strongly. Yes, Paul, that's Paul clapping for you, Gina. Oh, thank you, Paul. Paul, that was amazing. That was an amazing question. And it's yeah. one of those ones that I don't get often asked because, you know, uh, there are some folks who like revisionist history, don't they? Because it serves their political purpose. But uh, I think that if we just want to live in the truth, uh, then we can uh, deal with who we are as Americans and we can only get better. We can move on from there. That's right, Gina, and 100%. Let's go along now, Gina, Dan's question. And um, Dan and Paul, if you want to say anything, just raise your hand there too. Dan, do you want to speak your question or would you like for me to read it? Um, go ahead, no, I, yeah, go ahead I, I, I can ask it, Dan. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just uh, I'm curious. You said that civics is taught in math and, and science classes. I'm wondering how that how that's done. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Dan, for that question. Let me give you an example of a math lesson um, that I give um, and how it relates to civics. So we have these critical thinking questions in math. So obviously we have, you know, we have arithmetic, we have algorithms, you know, uh, two plus two is four and, and so on. The quadratic equation, we do all of that. We do all the algorithmic or algebraic things. But then there are these critical thinking questions that come uh, typically at the end of the um, independent practice for the students. 
And what happens is that these questions, they're called, you know, um, word problems. Do you remember those from when you were in school? Word problems, right? And so word problems now are based around real life things. So for instance, uh, I had a question as one of the um, as one of the word problems for the kids the other day, and it said, Miss Sanchez is running for mayor. And she has, you know, X amount of, of votes that she can win by. And she needs to get so many votes to be able to win. And what is the percentage that she needs to win out of the total voters to be able to succeed and to win and to prevail in this election? And it obviously was a little more complex than that. But my point is, is that it got me to talking to the kids about what's a city council election. And that's right in a math lesson. And so, I mean, you should see these authors of these textbooks. They are phenomenal. And a lot of them are college professors, but there are uh, classroom teachers like me too, uh, sit on textbook committees and give input on what we want to be in our textbooks. Um, and so, yeah, that's one example of how uh, we get civics right into a math lesson and in science. Wow, it's really intertwined, especially when we're talking about things like uh, global uh, climate change or in um, sea, rise, uh, sea rise, um, rising and things like that. And we talk about what are how do we change policy in our nation to be able to stop the degradation of our planet, of our environment? And how does that work? Because an average, you know, sixth grader is not going to understand um, what is it that tells citizens to, you know, not throw plastic into the ocean? Or how are we going to get power plants from stopping to belch out this heat and this smoke into, into the environment? And, you know, kids will raise their hand and go, but Miss Clayton, I don't understand. So does somebody call them and tell them they can't do it? Does the mayor do that? Or is it our governor? Or does the president do that? I mean, kids really ask these questions. And then these questions are so phenomenal because they're coming from a place of innocence. And when you come from a place of innocence, you really want to know the answer. And so I answer them truthfully. It's a complex process, children. It comes from, you know, your state assembly members, your state senators. And of course, then your governor has to sign it into law. And at the federal level, it's for your, your House of Representatives and your senators. And then I go, remember when we talked about in social studies? Remember the Senate in Rome? Well, we have our very own Senate right here in the United States of America. And then I'll say, how many of you know how many senators we have? And somebody invariably goes, 100. And I say, why do we have 100? Because there's two from each state. We have 50 states. There's always somebody there's always an answer in the room even with young students there's an answer in the room and what that shows you is that in prior classrooms or most importantly in their homes their parents are teaching civics too and that's the home to school connection and that's really what makes me excited when i think about how i partner with the parents to teach our young students beautiful Jean. well stated and i i, I can't I, I know you, I, I just them getting a chance to hear you. I cannot be overstated. I think we're so, I know we're so proud to have you as an educator. You are with it, my friend. You are well-informed and you are just really educating our children well. I'm going to go to Sarah McDonald. Uh, Sarah, you had your hand up there. Please do ask questions of Gina. Gina, did hi. you guys, hi, did you guys talk about the admission day on Friday? Admission day, you know, I guess we didn't, but you know. It was uh, the ninth. Yes, 
you're right. And I, you know, I didn't, but I, that's not saying that the other teachers didn't, uh, maybe they did. Um, and I will put that down in my notes to be able to think about that for next year. Sarah, you just taught me that I need to get on the ball. And because, you know, one of the things we've got to remember is that the, our constitution, state constitution for the first few years was in Spanish and in English. That's right. That's right. It was. And, you know, um, that fun fact is taught in the fourth grade in California, but you're <laughs> right. And um, I'm going to ask my fourth grade teacher colleagues at school uh, tomorrow uh, if they talked about it. I bet they did. Uh, so, so, Sarah, excuse me. I did. Sorry. Do they do they still do we still do the mission reports? Yes, in the fourth, yes. fourth grade because I did that too. I've been, yes. I've been I'm a native Californian. <laughs> yes, I am too. I was born in Oceanside, California, in San Diego County, and uh, yes, we do do those mission reports. And what's important about those mission reports now is that you know um, uh, everybody's perspective is written into the mission reports or the missions that the kids build. Both my sons have built missions, by the way. Uh, my mm -hmm. son, uh, my older son Tony, built that. I think it was the Santa Santa Buenaventura mission. And um, so yes, uh, the mission project is still done, uh, but it's done through a different lens now, not just of the victors, as someone else had said in their question here, not just of the Spaniards, but of the native peoples themselves too. Yeah, we got to use civics and through a DEI and yes. any lens. Yes. Thank you. I agree. It's great Thank to you, be here. Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. And I and we're going to take one more question. Um, it's going to be from Mario. I'm going to uh, read his question. Unless, Mario, you want to say it, I'll read it. And uh, I just want to say that right there, it's Sarah sharing that with Gina saying, you know what? I'm going to write that down. That's what we're here for. So Sarah, right there, we are engaging in democracy in education. This is a yes, girl. This is an educator, a president of a school board is going to take what you said. So it's so important. You guys make sure we're going to talk a little bit more about the, the next episode. But I want you guys all to make sure you're sharing this. What's going on with the arc of democracy with truth of democracy? Because truth of democracy is being revamped as a podcast show. And we're really, really going to have some amazing people on here. So great, Sarah. Thank you for that. I'm going to read this last Last question to you, Gina, and if we can make it brief from Mario. And the question is, what is the story or truth of certain books being removed from, from some school reading list deemed too uncomfortable or challenging books? They have racial slurs, uh, like, you know, Uncle Top's Cam, and I'm thinking about stuff like that, clashes or address class warfare, animal farm to kill a mockingbird, huckleberry fence. So he wants to know what's the story behind that? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, that comes up, uh, you know, here and there and everywhere around our nation. Um, uh, so now I'm going to put on my school board member, school board president hat. Um, in the school district that I oversee, the Ocean View School District, which covers not only Huntington Beach, but Fountain Valley, Midway City and Westminster. Those are four communities in Orange County, California. We have a very diverse population of folks in this area. Um, and one of the things with the, we pride ourselves on in the Ocean View School District is not banning books. Um, even though uh, school boards are allowed to actually oversee which books go into a library, we believe that our staff are the experts, that our librarians, our principals, our teachers, our district staff are the experts, and they know which books are allowed under California law. And if California, the state of California Board of Education believes that they are allowed and they shall be taught, they shall be taught. We do not allow for 
book banning in the Ocean View School District. And I would say in California, it's pretty, pretty rare to hear of that. But I know it goes on in other states. And I think it's it's not right. Now, let me do say this. There are books that are only appropriate at certain grade levels. So, you know, kids that uh, in high school are going to be reading different books than kids in sixth grade and, and versus kids they're in third grade. So obviously we want to be, um, you know, cognizant of that and careful, uh, you know, to make sure that our children are, are reading only grade level appropriate information based on the state of California's list. Beautiful, beautiful. I think that was very clear and it makes a lot of sense want a, a third grader reading something that should be for 16 year old so perfect right yeah yeah, yeah that's exactly. absolutely bit by bit excuse by excuse we're putting donald trump above the law we are rendering indefensible conduct normal legal and appropriate as though he were a king and now donald trump has been suggesting not even subtly that any legal action against him could result in violence. I think if it happened, I think you'd have problems in this country, the likes of which perhaps we've never seen before. I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. Our former president is apparently now suggesting that if he is prosecuted, his supporters should stand up to our constitutional order and the rule of law. Stand up and through whatever means are needed, prevent his prosecution prevent the application of the law. What kind of problems, Mr. President? I think they'd have big problems, big problems. I just don't think they'd stand for it. It is hard to see this as anything but a direct threat to our Constitution, to our Republic, and a credible one at that. One can only wonder, is this where the Republican Party will go next? The prosecution is inappropriate because MAGA will violently oppose it. Our democracy is in crisis, but we didn't get here overnight. I'm Josh Lim, co-founder and CEO of Represent Us. Ten years ago, we saw the writing on the wall and we knew we had to do something. So we took a hard look at our political system. Skyrocketing dark money, rampant political corruption, dangerous and divisive rhetoric, teetering institutions, we didn't see we the people. We saw we the divided. We the special interests. We the corrupt. And it wasn't just us. Everyone was talking about it. Not just the left. Not just the right. Everyone. We knew the only way out was to bring people together across political differences and build a nationwide movement to fix our broken political system. So we started Represent Us. And we got to work. We started at the grassroots because a movement for real change has to be of, by, and for the people. Thousands of Americans signed up to make calls, send texts, donate, and sign petitions. We've led trainings and marches. We've walked hundreds of miles, gotten arrested, all to fight for the right to have our government represent the people. With our grassroots energy as fuel, Represent Us began seeding and growing good government campaigns all across America. 
We knew that success at the federal level must start by winning city by city and state by state to build to a tipping point for national reform, just like the dozens of successful movements that have come before us. With more than 160 wins, including key statewide victories against gerrymandering, for ranked choice voting, open primaries, and ethics reform, we laid the groundwork for the next decade of fighting for our democracy. For far too long, only wonky political circles talked about democracy reform. To build a movement of everyday Americans, we knew we had to reach the people. So we partnered with high-profile supporters to run campaigns that would meet people where they are, with videos breaking down policies, satirical campaigns to capture people's attentions, and powerful educational videos. The result? Tens of millions of Americans reached and educated on the challenges facing our democracy and our plan to fight back together. And we are just getting started. The fight to rescue, restore, and reimagine our democracy is as important as ever. And we must act now. Join us. Go to represent.us and join the fight to save democracy today. Believe it or not, it is still a bit odd for me to stand in this historic space, uh, see this big, beautiful painting staring back at me. Um, growing up on Euclid Avenue, mommy, um, I never could have imagined that any of this would be part of my story. Um, but even if it's all still a bit awkward for me, I do recognize why moments like these are important. Uh, why all of this is absolutely necessary. Uh, traditions like this matter, not just for those of us who hold these positions, but for everyone participating in and watching our democracy. You see the people, they make their voices heard with their vote. Um, we hold an inauguration to ensure a peaceful transition of power those of us lucky enough to serve work, as Barack said, as hard as we can for as long as we can, as long as the people choose to keep us here. And once our time is up, we move on. And all that remains in this hallowed place are our good efforts and these portraits, uh, portraits that connect our history to the present day portraits that hang here as history continues to be made. So for me, this day is not just about what has happened. It's also about what could happen. Because a girl like me, she was never supposed to be up there next to Jacqueline Kennedy and Dolly Madison. Uh, she was never supposed to live in this house, and she definitely wasn't supposed to serve as First Lady. <laughs> I'll be back. 